Good. Are you all doing good this evening? Yes. So we just had um, a wonderful time with some of uh, the the ones who who lead the households, and um, I believe that God has already begun a good work. Amen. Um, just want you to know that Pastor Jacob has been, I don't know, you call him Jacob, right? You don't call him Pastor Jacob. Do you call him Pastor Jacob? Yeah, no, Jacob. Prophet Jacob. Okay. <laughs> Prophet Jacob. <laughs> Most reverend Jacob. <laughs> He's been a blessing, okay? He's been a blessing whenever he comes down to Chennai. He's been a blessing. There, has, there are other places that uh, have begun to travel with him in India. He's been a blessing. And so I want you to know that this man has uh, been um, blessed with this group of people. And that's whenever someone actually is a blessing, it's just not because that person is a blessing. He comes from a source that's blessed. Amen. And I believe with all of my heart that you are that source. um, And that you are commissioning of him to... The ends of the earth has been a a blessing not only to uh, our church back in Chennai, but I believe it's been a blessing to many, many, many other places. He was there uh, at uh, our missions uh, gathering where over 160 plus missionaries from different parts of India had gathered together. And uh, it was fantastic three days and and God has been ministering through him into the lives of people, into the into into information about what pe- God wants to do in and through people's lives, and and it's been revolutionary in the lives of people with regards to what they have been in after that. And so the ministries are changing, and and the way people do ministries are changing. And so I really want to thank God for. Um, was Jacob and for the source from where he's been commissioned and I really want to thank each and every one of you. I think it's a good time to clap hands for yourself. And Pastor Jacob did not ask me to talk these things. That's the... For once. (laughs) But he wanted me to remind you that on July 17th, this is birthday. (laughs) And my comments on the previous section where I said, uh, hereafter Jacob is not going to be the one, you have to take up and run and all of that. He wanted to make sure that he's still your leader and he wants you to remember 17th of July. That's the only request he has. rest of the things you can forget. That's just being him. Good. Let's go. Um, I am almost lost for something new to be sharing with you, okay? Because I think with two times coming over, uh, and I'm I'm not going to talk something different or something radically different from from what God has been deposited into my heart. And I've seen um, the world is so obsessed with something new, something uh, that's something different, and so so sometimes like. I've struggled with this idea of how can we present something new to every time you go. And I've come to a place in life where I have come to this great settlement. There's nothing new under the sun. Okay, <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, it actually, the word of God and the principles of Christ are not something that's like wide and great and innovative. and No, it's not. Actually, it's about... Putting the simple 
format of it. It's, it's only a few things. But the challenge is not knowing the few things. The challenge is taking those few things and making it part and parcel of our life and living. That's the challenge that we, we need to take up this, this morning, uh, this evening. So, so you gotta, you gotta come to a place where we gotta constantly recognize and realize whether, uh, how do we survive as, uh, as ministers and, uh, preachers is because you forget. Okay. That's the only way we survive. Because it's so much only is there. Content with regard. If you really, really take the content of the scriptures, the content of the scriptures, only seven main teaching topics. How do we survive? It's because you don't remember. And so, and you change the title or you put a different slide. You can actually preach the same sermon with a different slide and people think it's new. And say, Pastor, through you, God spoke to me. God has spoken to you. <laughs> now that's how... People, that's how pastors survive 52, 52, 52 times in a year. Okay, they preach the same thing again and again in different formats and, and with maybe one or two different illustrations or experiences and it becomes new. But all that I'm say, trying to say this, 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 this evening is not so much of how much knowledge you have. It is how we have translated this knowledge into everyday life. And so God is calling this church, Acts 29, and this evening, I want to describe Acts 29 a little different than how it's been defined. Not because I've been given a permission to describe it, that I take the liberty of coming to the church and because I'm invited in. I'm taking this liberty to say, hey, you are not just, you are a network. I'm, I'm giving the statement and then I'm going to explain to you what this is all about. A network of at least six churches in and around greater Vancouver. Okay, I'm declaring it. And then I'm going to help us understand together what this is all about. It's a network of at least six churches in and around greater Vancouver. And so you got to understand that there is a base in which you operate. The base that you operated in till 2019 was that there is there's one congregation. So the base that you were operated in is of the old paradigm, which is called the, you were a one congregation in, called Acts 29. And you met together in different places. At last you actually found a place uh, in uh, Inverness. In Mernus. Okay. And uh, you met together every evening, every Sunday evening. And Jacob was kind of, although he did not mention he was a pastor, he was a kind of a, a, a priest. And you were a set of uh, people who were clergy. He is clergy and you were a set of people who were laity. But then God through various teachings broke that out and we actually moved into understanding that we are one people of God who need to serve all are called to serve there's so many so many teachings that have gone through father sons and I think uh, God has brought in several people through the history of this church that have come and helped us understand uh, and realize the teachings better and better and better and introduce introduction into the apostolic and all of that but slowly where God is taking you as a church is that you have become an apostolic base 
And I'm using all kinds of statements without explaining to you everything. But I'm just throwing it out so that we can start building around it. You are an apostolic base. From where God is launching something powerful that's going to impact an entire world. Now in order to in order to see this and recognize this you got to shift out of this old paradigm of we are a congregation here we are a congregation here we have a, a pastor here we have someone that we meet every sunday and uh, and uh, pastor jacob uh, uh, ministers to us and we love what god is doing in through pastor jacob to understanding that we are slowly becoming a six different uh, not different in the sense six churches that are meeting together pastor jacob i need your help vancouver and I may not be good in the map of it, okay? Burnaby. B.A. B.U. Burnaby, Richmond. Delta. Maple Ridge. Vancouver 1, Vancouver 2. Okay. Okay, these are the six houses that are meeting together. Why this is important is because the scriptures define the church to be different from what the 21st century understanding of church is because church somehow has lost its real essence and has become a religious body. Okay? Religious body. And so churches represent the institution called religion and Christianity as a religion and I have made this statement before and I make it again. Christianity as a religion has no power. It's powerless. And that's why it's ineffective. It's, it's, it is, Christianity as a religion has no power and is ineffective in this world. Because Christianity is one more thing. Like Buddhism, like Hinduism. Because we follow it as a religion. It has its own systems. It has its own, own things which is so contrary and sometimes opposed to what the scriptures say. And so we got to we got to very, very meticulously and very, very intentionally break out of this religious institutional structure of Christianity and identify ourselves as how the scriptures define the church to be. Okay? Is that clear? Is that clear? With and so, in, in order to shake that out, we sometimes have to declare it. We sometimes have to uh, voice it out. And we got to constantly, I, I keep constantly telling Christianity has no power. Christianity as a religion has no power. Jesus did not come f- 
to inaugurate something called a religion called Christianity. Christianity and Hinduism has the same kinds of things in the in the sense like uh, there are certain certain things that I really, if you go into the Hindu world and philosophy, there are good things there. So it's not about what's good, what's bad. It's about you. You got to understand that. You got to understand, and I'm and I'm trying to push this, and I'm extending it a little more. There are demonic powers inside Christianity. There are structures and church structures that they go and try to touch. And you know what? In the night happens. In the night, I have demonic attacks when I actually start to mess up with church structures. Attacks from the evil one. You're just trying to go and shift structures inside a church, a Pentecostal church, and, and what gets attacked is the evil one. Because these structures are powered because there are selfish motives and, and controls and, and authorities that are not of Christ. That are a mammon that's motivated by money and motivated by self and motivated by, 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 by obsession and dictatorship. So you got to understand and we got to hate with all of our hearts. The organized is, is when I say hate, it doesn't mean that we don't love anybody. We, when, when I'm saying hate, it's because of the shift that the Spirit of God wants for the church. That we got to very, very, very strongly say no to this form of Christianity. No to this form of religion. So this evening, if you are coming here to be part of this church and you have this old idea of what a church is and what this Christianity is and you're participating in this church, you are going to be shaken a lot. Because there is a shift that is going to take place and the shift is not always. You need to understand what Jacob represents is of a different kind of giftedness that may not be found. This is the, this is the greatest challenge. That you're going to face as a church together. The leaders and shepherds of these. Will not and may not. Exhibit the same giftedness as Jacob. And that's going to be a lot more disappointing. That's going to be the greatest disappointment. People love people love gifts. They don't love Christ. Yes, Chad. Because people see gift. People don't see. It's because that's the philosophy of the world. The world rates people and classifies them and prefers gifts. It's it's going to be one of the most greatest challenges when we shift into an apostolic base of six churches. Because you don't have Jacob in all the six. Jacob may visit the six. Once in a while. Or he may visit because there are six churches that are coming together. So if I have to follow this 
and the way of this world of the church, this church world, and this is the biblical church. So this is the worldly church. I'm gonna, we're going to classify it as worldly church. And this is the biblical church. The worldly church is made of the same philosophy of the world. Who have the most followers? Those who are gifted. Who has the most? Uh, so what, are, what is the gifted, the giftedness that people truly follow? They follow innovation. They follow uh, uh, communication. If someone is able to communicate well, yes. That's number one. So if someone is not able to communicate with words, because Christ is not building this entire church based on the ability for someone to wordsmith things. I love how Jacob puts things together. Even more than how he speaks, I have love for him to write. That's his giftedness. That's how Christ gifted him. That may not be the portion of the shepherd that God appoints over this church. That person would have a giftedness that's so super important and very important not in terms of the world but in terms of the church and is needed for that community and God is going to shape that person up to be a leader of that community because God himself has appointed him. As a first breaking down that needs to take place in our minds. We don't worship gifts. We worship Christ. The giver of multiple, multivarious gifts in the body. We worship Christ. We don't worship gifts. Uh, how is Christ truly exalted? Oh, the, the expression of Christ is his body, okay? You need to understand that the world is not going to see, the world is not going to see Christ with their naked eyes. But what is he allowed after his ascension is his representation, is his manifold representation through the community. If the whole world needs to see, it is because the church is united and representing and, and manifesting Christ to the world that they know that they are one and because that the Father and Son are one and the Son and, the, and His body are one, that the whole world will know that the Father sent the Son. That's the entire logic and the entire thing that Jesus explains in John chapter 17. How will the world know? The problem is the, the, that, that we have come and we have sold this wrong philosophy that the world will know because you can communicate the gospel well. The world will know because Billy Graham can preach so well. The world will know because media and technology can know. This is not how the world will know. All Sometimes we build and build massive institutions and organizations that is not the church of Jesus Christ. All done under the name of Christ. 
all under done in the name of christianity but it's not nothing to do with what christ is doing and that's why many people think that the church is a failure if church is a failure christ is failure no christ is not building our our kinds of churches christ is not failed and he continues to do in various different expressions across this world christ is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and unless we come to this full blown understanding that i have to very strongly detest this worldly church and the building of the worldly church i will not be able to build what christ is building and it is not dependent on the gift of the leader it does not depend on the musicians and the and the and the and the ability to lead worship if there's someone like jane in our house churches perfectly fine there's no, nothing wrong or if someone can 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 be i love uh, jacob's leading of worship not everyone is going to do that See, you got to shake away from the norms of what the world defines the church to be. If you have to build what Jesus is wanting to build in Greater Vancouver, what did I say? No, we. we got to get rid of what defines the worldly church in order to build truly what christ is building in greater vancouver something like that i said okay so we got to shake that out because we have a set idea of what a church is we have a set idea of that is what will get translated into our homes and into our households that, that's so we want to re- replicate what happened on on sunday evenings and sometimes we will feel like that's not happening there that's not happening there and we miss out on what christ is doing there church is about people church is about people and people's lives being transformed church is not about the activity that is done apart from it see there may be various activities so we uh, times of singing could be one of the activities that try, tries to, it's not about how we sing and how and just because we don't have great music doesn't mean that we can't build a great church that's that's the that's the logic because the world the world has shaped us understand that it is only through great music that we can actually build a great church and that's why churches scramble and, and pay high for musicians pay they they'll compromise anything and everyone everything it doesn't matter how the musician is as long as they can play music in the church and where is that salary going to where is it going and, you're getting see you're getting the idea of what what i'm trying to communicate it's not about but sometimes we got to shake out of the norm of how church has been done in order to build what jesus is building jesus is building people people come in various giftedness your leader 
in the church in the six churches here will not be jacob and i and really thank you you sometimes sometimes you need to sit down and thank god for it because it'll be different it would be because i had to break out of it because i was always looking for people who are very similar to me in order to do what christ is doing and then god had to shake that out of me and say no that is not how i build my church i build my church through anyone who is willing to cooperate with me and that for that will be in this church there would be sometimes the leader in the church here may not be actually communicating every week is it okay because there may be other good people who are good with communication that may be communicating because somehow we associate the leader of the church to be the communicator super ace communicator and the leader of the church needs to really shape the teachings in his life that's the that's the first thing he communicates not by words he communicates through life so we got to shift out of this this soup. there isn't there is a role of communication i'm not saying that there's no role to communication there's no role to to gifted speaking the gifted speakers would always have a role to play in the churches because because learning and teaching is an oral tradition too and learning and teaching is sometimes is written forms too so there will be people communicating but the leader of the church that god appoints as shepherd may not be an ace communicator need not be an orator but has the ability to teach has the ability to teach the ability to teach may not always be about gifted speaking but it's about life on life rubbing it's about life lived out teaching through life lived out and if that life is actually i am seeing that again and again when you see someone like jerry i never thought jerry would have any hope in leading a church with regards to but but you you allow the spirit of god to 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 for those guys to come up and and put a set of guys around them so i'm what i'm experiencing is those who are not ace in their giftedness always rally people around them so that the job gets done and that's beautiful than just one man shining and so the lack of the 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 prominent giftedness people always allow others to blossom and because they allow others to blossom it, it becomes beautiful it's not centered around a man or a woman it's centered around the community and that's what christ wants so we're going to shift and so 2019 is halfway through and maybe 2020 onwards we are really pushing this that which Christ wants for greater vancouver and, and what begins in greater vancouver is not going to be just greater vancouver but it's going to impact the world that's that's the larger picture okay so this being the in, introduction part of it i i want to step into what is called as you as a church together you as churches together having a base of around six churches need to continue to grow need to continue to multiply around this place so that your base will become stronger and stronger because what needs to happen across the world 
truly depends on the base. Because if the base is not strong enough, you know the foundations? If the foundation is not strong enough, whatever we build on this foundation is not going to last. Because Jacob will be gone. He'll be doing other things. And Jacob is not the only person who's going to be doing this. And um, we have had several conversations and over a period of time um, also recognized and realized that Jacob is a person who, who can actually do a lot of things single-handedly. And so over a period of time, Jacob is going to be um, shall I share? No. Jacob is going to be a person who is going to break down on himself being the single apostolic person to build a apostolic team around him. Which is cutting down a lot of privileges and things that he wants to do and to build around the team which is, which is going to be one, one more hard uh, process that is very specific to him and we will have a conversation separately not with the church. Because it's because we got used to certain things. I got used to certain things. And then you have to shift what God wants us to do in the next phase of our life. And therefore, so that apart, I'm concentrating on the base, which is the six churches at this point of time. Can we become strong in order that the apostolic team that Jacob has been launched from here can do what God is wanting to do across the world? You understand the base foundation introduction that I'm trying to lay down because we'll we'll start to build on it day two, day three. So this church, which is six churches and growing, six churches and growing, must become strong and would supply the needs. Would supply the needs. When I say needs, immediately our thought is only finances. No, that's not the main need at this point of time. Uh, the main need at this point of time, it includes finances, but a main need at the point of time is, is gifted leaders who are here who will be able to shepherd these six churches well to make sure that these six, uh, six churches are multiplying in and around the greater Vancouver and lesser Vancouver. And uh, out of these churches come team members who are called of God, would be able to move back and forth across the world. Okay? And so I want to I wanna jump right in, with this as the foundation, I want to I wanna jump right in into what I, I would term as a church-based apostolic missions. Okay? Church-based apostolic missions. I'm, um, uh, the way the New Testament, uh, how the New Testament... Yeah, I will. Okay, we, that's BAM. BAM is business as missions. Um, there are some people who do the other way around. Church as business. But, <laughs> but this is church-based apostolic mission that I want to take the principles of the New Testament, lay it down. But this, all these principles work only when a church or churches or a network of churches understand itself as, an, as a base, like an Antioch church. Antioch church was a base from where Paul and Pauline team operated initially. While they went about, there were many bases that actually started out and there will be many bases that this, this church will be linked to. There will be other minor bases and major bases that, uh, and as the Spirit moves the church into several other parts and moves Jacob and his team to move to several other parts. This needs to happen. 
this needs to happen and therefore church based apostolic mission is the is the overarching teaching that we need to receive as a church in order to process the next season of where god wants to take this church any questions I'm going to outline quickly the seven important aspects and we're going to we're going to touch only on the one and then we can divide the rest of the time tomorrow and day after is that okay so let's let's uh, let me outline the seven church that is like an Antioch base like that which is so you got to understand when 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 Paul says church at Antioch do you think it's one church that meets together on Sundays or what's your idea you know when the church when Paul is writing to the church in Philippi or when church in Corinth what was the actual thing that was happening he was not writing to one congregation it was actually congregations that are spread across the city. Yeah. Okay, you, you have clarity in, on that, right? It's not like, he was not writing to a, a Sunday evening gathering that meets together at Inverness. No, he was not writing like that. He was writing to the churches that were spread across the entire city. And that's how they call church at Corinth means all the houses that met together in Corinth. Church at Rome, there were at least 75 of them in Rome. So you got to understand that when the New Testament writings were written, they were not written to one small little house church. No, they were written to a city, city-wide network of churches. And that's how we start to process churches. And how do we process church right here? The church at Greater Vancouver that is associated with Acts 29 is at least six churches. 
<coughs> and we are actually progressing that way. So, so that itself, we need to understand it first and foremost, we need to understand the apostolic map. Uh, what do I mean by apostolic map? No, no. Apostolic map is the region, is the territory that God has called apostolic leaders that are based out of a church to be functioning in. So I, how do I pick that up? I pick that up from Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and then go on to 15 to 16. Paul is not directly talking about apostolic map. But he is actually defending his apostleship uh, with the Corinthian church. Because the Corinthian church were troublesome to Paul. Why? Because now Paul has planted those churches and have moved on to Ephesus. And he's moved on to other places to plant churches. And then, then after the churches have been planted, have been planted and been multiplying and growing, there's a lot of problems that are happening in the church. And the, some of the problems that were happening in the church is that there was sinfulness. Sexual immorality was there. There was people, two people fighting inside the church and they were taking uh, each other to the court. And there were issues with regards to temple feasts. There were issues with regards to divisions. There were issues with regards to, to women and uh, what they wanted to do inside churches. A lot of troubles. And Paul is addressing them. When he's addressing those those, those struggles that the churches were going through, Corinth said, no, we will not listen to you because now we have other super apostles who are doing spectacular things and are heavily gifted that you need to understand. By the time you come to First Corinthians chapter 13, 14, 12, 13 and 14, you come to this great struggle that Paul has in saying, hey, he, they are saying, no, Paul is okay. He did it what he did. But now we have other super apostles who are speaking in tongues and prophesying and doing many other things. And they are, uh, they are attracted to the supernatural giftedness and have lost the base of which the church needs to be established in which is love. And he goes on in chapter 13 and he establishes the truth of what the church is to be based in which is love, 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 love is patient, love is kind. You can speak in tongues and I speak more than all of you guys in tongues but you can, that's making a lot of noise if you don't have the foundation foundation of what the church is supposed to be which is which is the family of love everything is a waste he comes by the time he comes to the second corinthians he's he's actually fighting to tell them hey guys you can have a thousand guardians man but you can't have an apostolic father like me because that's the struggle when when apostolic leaders establish churches and now are handing over to elders and now are concentrating on another region or another phase or where the spirit of God is leading the apostolic team. The churches here can go through different things because they can open the doors to other guys who are not of the same spirit. And that's one of the things that the six churches need to vehemently guard. That apostolic leadership, once appointment and once have released you to do what you are supposed to be doing, you are not opening the doors to other teachers. You are not opening the doors to other teachers. And today other teachers don't have to come physically. They will come through videos. They will come through, through media. They will come through their books. 
It'll be interesting. It'll be a blessing. But if you don't understand this, the holistic sense of it, every now and then something Satan is going to be using against the churches. That's his, that's his ploy. That's what he wants to do. And how he does it is he will bring another strange teaching that will be so similar to the teachings, but is deviant from it. Okay, I'll explain apostolic leaders also. Cut off. Okay, I'll I'll just I'm I'm coming down to apostolic leaders on the third point. So if you can if you can engage with me a little more, I would I would I would come there. So I, I think it's right on Jacob to ask me to explain a little more about apostolic leaders. Okay. So these six. So, so for example, it all started with the one community that met together Acts twenty nine. Jacob has been. So at this point of time, we can represent the apostolic team to have one person who represents it, and at this point of time, let's say. Uh, at this point of time, we know that this is Jacob. Okay, so the guys who actually operate like Jacob, okay, like Jacob in the sense of the giftedness of being, when I see apostolic team, they operate in one of these giftedness at least. And somehow uh, the world has pushed the idea of, oh, I am an apostle, I am a prophet. This has, these, all these things have become titles today. Apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so. Uh, sorry, these are, are, actually this needs to be, if you really maintain it in the New Testament sense of it, it needs to be not titles, but what functions. What do they do? Apostles and prophets, they lay the foundation. Apostles have a larger sense of the big picture of what God wants to do in a particular area or a region. They get the blueprints. They have an understanding of what God wants to do there. And they are the first to arrive and if you take it in terms of architectural building plan types, the, the apostles are more like the architects. They have a, a big picture of how this, this, the, the church in this region, uh, is how God is going to build the church in this region. They have a sense of it. And they come with that big picture in mind. The apostles and prophets together lay the foundations for that church. And the pro- prophets are more like they put the uh, they're more like the structural guys in the construction industry. If you say they are more the structural guys, these these are the foundations. These are the beams. These are the pillars that need to really be laid on. Without so so the foundation and the structure part of it, these guys laid down in a particular region. 
And then they inaugurate the church. They inaugurate the church by, by evangelizing. They bring the people in and they, they establish them in the teaching. They put the initial formats in place. They appoint elders. And then there are sometimes that we need uh, uh, the in initial evangelists that bring in the people, the pastor teachers to establish the people. And this is how it's built initially. And after building it initially, they hand this over to elders and deacons who are more of the local church leadership. Apostolic leadership is going in, establishing it, handing it over so that this type of leaders move to another place and do the same thing all over again. Today the apostle is someone who can preach well and signs, wonders and miracles happen or he's an evangelist or he's prophetic. In, that's how we, we process them as individual titles and evangelists, uh, so-and-so, prophet, so-and-so, apostle, so-and-so. That's not found in the New Testament. They, they move together as a team that actually evangelized, established and appointed elders. These are the three core functions of the apostolic team. Which means there were a team that actually operated in the five-fold giftedness. And some of them call it four-fold, some of them call it five-fold. I still believe that that's one, uh, one set of things that we need to do as function in order that the church be inaugurated and church be handed over to local eldership. Yes. Prophets are... So the prophets actually get the original structures in place for a particular location. So, so sometimes, so you have a big picture of what God is doing in that region. The prophets have insights into how the foundational teaching of the scriptures. And in fact, uh, in fact, theologians, theologians in culture, theologians in culture, that not not theologians in the seminaries, but the theologians in culture of taking the word of God for that particular area, for that particular culture is actually very prophetic work. They need to receive insights from God on how do they structure for that structure to, to, to see the wind pressure that is in that place and spiritual atmospheres of that place. The prophetic, there needs to be a prophetic insight of what needs to be done first. Uh, what is the strength that is needed? contextualize it and 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 build those teaching structures in place uh, and so different from uh, the understanding of uh, prophetic and the gift of prophecy where you give foretelling issues like and um, there are there are times when jacob uh, operates in the prophecy foretelling of what god is going to do in your lives that's more of an individual prophecy but he operates in the prophetic of of what God wants to do in the spiritual realms and dismantling certain things over regions. And so I've had the experience of both operational in Jacob's life. When you go to certain places over the nation where you got to go to certain places to dismantle certain powers of darkness and give a clarity on how this church needs to operate in. And that's, that's the true... That, to, to get a grasp of the New Testament prophets, that's the foundational piece that the prophetic needs to be doing in the apostolic team. The, uh, uh, the apostolic gets a big picture of what God wants to do. 
So this this morning, uh, this evening, when I'm coming in, I'm more coming as an apostolic understanding of what God is going to do in and through Greater Greater Vancouver uh, on cooperating with Jacob on on saying that let's build this around the Greater Vancouver area. Evangelists are truly not just confined to one church, only one local congregation. They are actually moving around for that entire place to be evangelized, not that the churches. Can I? So it's not like evangelists operate in one ch- only one church. They, they, the gift of evangelism needs to be part of everyone else. The act of evangelism must be part of everyone. Evangelists are gifted people that God uses to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So that the problem is today's evangelists don't operate with churches. They operate as an organization separated from the church, which is not what the scriptures is talking about. They actually, over a region, they are evangelizing and they are actually in networks with churches so that they can bring those who come to the same knowledge of Jesus into the churches. Dana, you have a question? Through one person, yes. Absolutely. Was We can't confine Paul to be... Is he an apostle? Yes. Is he a prophet? Yes. Is he an evangelist? Absolutely yes. Is he a pastor teacher? Yes. So it could actually be just this one person that, that is actually functioning. So it's not, so it's not a person. The, the greatest challenge in the 21st century Christianity is we confine the gift to a person. It's not the person. It's a function. Giftedness in order to accomplish a function. And if someone else is not there, God is going to use you in all these things. Until someone is raising up. So when me and Jacob work together, I don't have to work prophetic at all. Because that's, that's, that's heavy. So And as we grow, there's a maturity in the giftedness that we are sharpened in certain giftedness over the other. Clear, there's clarity on the heaviness of prophetic over Jacob's life. Than any other giftedness. But it doesn't mean that he's not functioning apostolically. As an apostle. He does in places that there's no other. When he comes into a scenario such as Chennai. He does not actually mess around with the, with, with the role of an apostle. He, he, he fits into the role of, of being prophetic. And so that's, that's how it really begins. The dynamic begins to work. Because as more people with... Maturity of giftedness arise. I I will move more to heavily onto what God has gifted me in, and we mature into that over a period of time. So, so those people who just are arising and are calling themselves prophets or apostles, we need to ask them to lay low, keep quiet. It's okay. Take your time. Over a period of time, people recognize you for your giftedness. You don't declare who you are. People recognize you for who you are. You're getting the idea of the apostolic team. Apostolic team is a, a gifted team by Jesus to go about progression of the gospel, the planting, the establishing, the multiplication of churches, and the appointment of elders. These are the roles of the apostolic team. The gifted, the gifted leaders, not that the other leaders are not gifted, but these are gifted leaders for the progression of the gospel.
larger than a particular local okay these are gifted leaders there are there are people who can't actually move uh, beyond a certain place because the man it's so different you got to understand and experience this uh, um what operates over the nation of india is so different from what operates over the nation of canada um what operates in greater vancouver is different from what operates in toronto and some people are are not given that sphere and some people are given that sphere and these are spheres decided not just by me or you it's 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 decided in the spiritual realms and by god and it and sometimes we grow from sphere to sphere as we as we enlarge peter actually confined himself although he was given a larger sphere peter confined himself to jews more paul did not have that limitation he was able to operate amongst jews gentiles kings anyone and so there is a there's something that is assigned by god one number two there is also a willingness to to go that extra mile because those who are not willing to move can't it apostolic needs strong stomachs in a sense like must be able to handle many things uh must be able to handle tiredness and there, there's some capabilities and abilities that that is in that those kinds of people that makes them adopt to different cultures within few yeah within few minutes you need to be able to adapt to different cultures different people they are quite uh, able to do that these are this is a this is a giftedness issue there's some personality types attached to it i believe i don't have the whole gamut of it so i'm not teaching i'm just exploring and understanding these things a little more every every time as we start to move and understand the biblical understanding of what this apostolic theme is they are gifted leaders for the progression of the gospel larger than a particular local they are people who evangelize establish appoint elders and multiply churches the gifted leaders for the progression of the gospel larger than a particular local and therefore an apostolic leader is someone who is not just limited within uh, within greater vancouver no an apostolic leader is a type of leader that's beyond that local and he operates in a larger sphere is this okay right it was necessary yes thanks yes old testament i i i think the old old covenant i think this was the plan of god right from beginning when he called abraham and he said um out of your family the whole nations of the world will be blessed and the heart 
heart of by which he gave them the promised land <coughs> in a very strategic you need to understand israel and canaan is a strategic location which is, which is the centerpiece for the entire world the, even the location where israel is placed as a people is at the at the midpoint of was almost equidistant to all because it must be because the world is round i believe but <coughs> it's almost like that's the location and the local that god chose for the people to be a kingdom of priests that's the call you are to are to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation so that the gentiles would come to the light and so you see evidences of it when god is calling all the nations through the prophets and so you see that at one point of time the nation of israel suddenly shifting their entire call into becoming like the nations of the world it happens during judge samuel and they god had appointed leaders amongst them the judges were leaders amongst them but suddenly they wanted a king like the other nations and then when saul is appointed as king with a lot of warning of how they will go and what will happen because they wanted it they got granted it with a equal heavy weightage on how this is going to destroy the nation and their call and so you see from saul's appointment israel behaves like a worldly nation and has has deviated from the kingdom of priests and therefore the movement the uh, it all it begins from the kingdom of priests and the hesitation right from beginning for them to come and approach god uh, on mount sinai and then the appointment of someone in between god and them which is the priesthood you are co- supposed to be a royal priesthood but then you have included a priest you are going to be a nation which is theocracy that means god is your king but you wanted a king you are a, a group of people that is a family a tribe of tribes with elders amongst you but now you wanted a king to rule over you and so you, israel actually loses the plot all along and then jesus comes into the scene and he shakes the entire thing up and says no that's not how it's for all the people and so god so loved the world that he gave us only begotten son and the apostolic giftedness that come out of the the kingly the priestly and the the king the priest and the prophet who's Jesus it's been distributed amongst his church the community so that that which Christ did would continue to be done in and through the apostolic and will be maintained and held together by the elders and deacons in each of the local communities which is the same as families so that same pattern of the old continues on uh, except that now we have a greater and a better understanding because of the death burial and resurrection of that this dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles have been broken it's not a clarity for god it's a clarity for us right from beginning god his heart is for the for the whole not for a few but why he does that he is first setting apart a people and so you got to understand and recognize Jews are of Abraham was uh, Abraham was not a Jew Abraham today we don't really salute Iraqis but we need to because if you really go to the roots of Abraham is an Iraqi not an Israelite and a Jew 
So who are the chosen people? Iraqis. Man, I'm going to be killed. <laughs> Cut that out. Huh? <laughs> My name is Jacob. <laughs> That's what you do every time. My name is Adwick. <laughs> Are you getting it? I think. I think let's let's proceed on to tomorrow. I, and this is a good time to stop. And any any other questions? It'll be good to clarify this part of it, so that tomorrow we can launch deeper. Everything you've got, you will miss it once I'm gone. <laughs>
Spirit, um, help us to ruminate on this uh, today and then come back tomorrow. Uh, Father, uh, you have this ability to bring certain sentences that can really be like an arrow that's here for you. You can turn 